We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the hands of waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Yes! Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Marusa. Uh, Alex, we are nearing the conclusion of several round one series. Uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers remain uh, the only team that is safely through to round two. Uh, but we have three games tonight. We get Timberwolves, Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, and Hawks, Celtics. All three of those uh, could spell the end of the series. All three uh road teams in these series are major, major favorites tonight. We'll dive in uh, to all three of those games. We will talk uh, a little bit about the Bucks heat and Grizzlies Lakers games from last night, but I want to start with the most approved player award. You know, you and I have been tracking this one along with the other awards throughout the season. And, you know, I, I was kind of a firm believer that there was a value on betting Shea Gilgis Alexander late in the season when he was like two or three to one, you know, Laurie Markkinen had emerged as a fairly heavy favorite and, if you're listening to this, Laurie Marketing won the award officially yesterday, and it wasn't all that close. You know, SGA, uh, a decent second place finish, but it was a 69 to 24 uh, in terms of first place votes in favor of Marketing. I thought more voters would be swayed by OKC, you know, making the play in, SGA being a big reason for that. Um, but, you know, it, it went with the more traditional, uh, you know, most improved player uh, trajectory in, in Marketing, a guy who went from, uh, you know, someone who was a, a role player at best, you know, a kind of a, a lottery bust to uh, an all-star and, and likely an all-NBA player. Right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it marketed went from like fourth, uh, fourth guy on offense, fifth guy on offense, depending on how you want to look at it to number one guy for a team that before this decided to pull the rug out from Utah, looked like they might sneak into the play-in. Um, but both of these teams and both of these guys were surprising. I think they, you know, I think they deserve the award for different reasons, but I feel like marketing um, is the more traditional winner of the award because he he more so came out of nowhere, relatively speaking. He really did, and you know we've 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 seen this uh, kind of trajectory for for winners of this award in the past, but I mean this feels even more extreme uh, than some of the guys who've won it recently. Uh, you know, last year was John Morant. Uh, that that to me was actually closer to the SGA. Uh, you know, case where he, he went from very good player to superstar, and it kind of feels like that's what happened with SGA this year. Uh, you know, prior to that, it was Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Victor Oladipo, Giannis, McCollum, and Jimmy Butler. I, I don't feel like any of those guys were like none of those guys' stock was as low as Laurie Markkinen's was coming into this season. No, I don't think so. Um, a, a lot of times, it's just a guy who makes kind of. Like the guy has been making steady, steady improvement anyway, um, and either just gets put in a bigger role or he makes a you know a lot of strides off season, whether it be playmaking or shooting. But Markkinen's stock was like trending down. This is almost like it's not like comeback player of the year, but it's more of like Markkinen kind of saved his career with this, right? <laughs> more so than SGA. 
No, you're right. You're totally right. I mean, it. I, I was initially going to say it felt like he like might be on his way out of the league, and maybe that's a little too extreme. But it wouldn't have been completely shocking if you know if, if this season had played out differently, and all of a sudden two years from now, Laurie Markkinen is like you know playing for Real Madrid, kind of like the Nikola, uh, uh, yeah, yes. Nikola Mirotic. That's what I'm trying to think of the Nikola Mirotic path. I was just about to use that that exact comp. Um, yeah, I felt like I was always relatively high on Markkinen, but I was I wasn't expecting quite. This, which I think was borne out in the fact that Dan, I didn't get him anywhere in fantasy, even though I thought he was going to have a great no. year. Um, I feel like this got predicted more so by like people playing fantasy than it did uh, people in real life, like analysts, because um, it was it was hard to get marketing at like what you would consider to be uh, a low risk value in drafts. But um, he had an amazing season. I think even Markkinen's biggest supporters were not saying he'll average almost 26 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, two assists. Uh, it really did do a ton defensively. That's kind of the only hole in his fantasy profile. But three three-pointers per game, 50% from the field, 88% from the line on like double the attempts that he's ever had in any season in his career. Uh, yeah, well-deserved for sure. Uh, I, I did think it would be a little bit closer between he and SGA, but certainly not going to fault anybody who voted for Laurie Markkinen. And as you alluded to, like, the Jazz could have made the play in if they wanted to. And, and maybe that was in the mind of some voters as well. It could have been. Um, when Markkinen played, they were 32 and 34. Honestly, that's worse than I would have guessed. I, I would have thought they were a, <laughs> a 500 team. I, I thought you were going to say they were like, I don't know, like 40, well, 15 or something. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of those games where like Mike Conley was out as well. Um, yeah. You know, they lost a ton of games during that stretch where it was like Colin Sexton was seeing a bunch of minutes. But oh I think if you, I, I think 32 and 34 is pretty good if you're like, Laurie Markkinen is our number one guy yeah. and the sort of guy we expected to be our number two guy in a way in Colin Sexton. I mean, maybe they didn't expect that as much as, um, you know, we expected it. He didn't do that much. Um, I, I think 32 and 34 is solid. To put a bow on the most approved player voting uh, in order, Markkinen, SGA, Jalen Brunson, McCall Bridges, and Nicholas Claxton. Those are the top five. Other players receiving at least one vote. Tyrese Halliburton, Trey Murphy, Kavon Looney, De'Aaron Fox, Austin Reeves, Jaron Jackson, Aaron Gordon, and Malik Monk. That lone Looney vote is kind of crazy. Um, I think he's probably, he's, Looney's proving his worth this playoffs. I think uh, we were talking before the podcast, Reeves got two third place votes. I actually feel like he could have gotten more. Um, not that he improved more than Brunson did, who took third, but I think it's easy to forget that Reeves was playing like 24 minutes a game last season, 23 minutes a game, averaged seven points a game. He basically has doubled almost um, like his points and his mm-hmm. assists from last season, and he's only playing five more minutes a game, and obviously his percentages are great. So I feel like he should have gotten more love than he did. But, you know, when you only, as a voter, when you only have three slots, it's it's tough to give you know, those guys love. I do think if the vote took place like today instead of two or three weeks ago, then, you know, Reeves probably, it's not like he's going to win the award, but maybe he's in the top five uh, because he's had, you know, a couple of memorable performances in these playoffs already, but you're totally right. Is there anybody who comes to mind and I apologize. I, I didn't prepare you for this. So, um, you know, I'll give you a couple seconds to think, is there like a, an early candidate for next year? Like somebody you think is, is kind of in that prime position to, to take a big leap. Early candidate for next year. Um, I feel like I always look at like, all right, who's going into like their third or fourth year? You know, what young player? Um, you know, it's like it, kind of thinking of like the Jalen Green type of trajectory, but uh, didn't necessarily have that that second step in year two. Could still be there. Um, I don't know. The, I, you know, Evan Mobley, I think is is one of those guys who's Mobley. maybe in that mold. I, I think I think Mobley is a good call. You know, I feel like some of these teams with that are a little more jumbled at the bottom. Um, you know, there could, there could be some candidates on there as well. I mean, I think Anthony Edwards could end up being a candidate yeah. if he kind of takes a full leap into stardom, but he might, he might not have enough of a ceiling like to, to break through at this point. Like he, he's already averaging 25 a game. You know, he'd probably have to average like 29 points, um, and like six assists, which maybe guys typically don't win it in year two. So like, as much as I would love to say like Jalen Williams or, you know, Palaban Caro, uh, it's certainly possible. Like if, you know, if, if Ben Caro especially comes out and is like a 27 point per game die next year, he'll be in the mix, but it's typically like that year three through five range uh, is where, is where guys tend to capitalize early twenties. Um, you usually don't get a, a ton of credit for making the, the year one to year two leap. 
Uh, you know, I, I think like Tyrese Halliburton, if he played a full season, he feels like one of those guys who is not quite a superstar, but if he plays 75 games and averages like 21 and 12, uh, he, he might be ready to, to kind of start knocking on that door. Yeah, I think Halliburton got downgraded this year because we saw him do it at the end of last season when he got yeah. traded and he was poking up 20 and 10 and we're like, oh, okay, Halliburton is kind of who we thought he might be. And I feel like that mm-hmm. coming into this season was like, well, has he really improved compared to then? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would say De'Aaron Fox as well. I mean, he was on the watch list this year. He might, he might have raised his stock too much already in the postseason. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about uh, you know, the upcoming Game 5 in that series, um, you know, actually the name, if I had to bet on it right now, and I'm assuming that he sticks with this team next year, I think McCall Bridges. Like, if we get a full uh, season yeah. of what McCall Bridges uh-huh. did for the last month and a half, I, I I think he would have to lead the way. I don't know how I didn't think of that. But yeah, Bridges, I mean, because he could, you know, I think some of his shooting was a little bit unsustainable. He cooled off later in the year, but yeah. um, it's pretty conceivable to me that he averages like 26 to 28 a game. If you just, if they keep giving him the keys, and they're like, listen, just keep taking these mid-range jumpers, especially if they can figure out some stuff within the offense to like help him uh, get some more assists. Just because I think they were, they, they, I, how much time did Jack Vaughn have to set up something where it's like, okay, we put Mikael Bridges in an opportunity to be a playmaker? I don't think so. And um, if he can get his skills numbers back up, that would be huge too. The NBA regular season has come and gone, which means it's time for a new way to play daily fantasy basketball for the playoffs. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they brought three new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. With unique games like Fantasy Bingo, head-to-head player challenges, and over-unders in Fantasy Book, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play that means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up. Again, that's play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use our code RotoWireMBA, all one word, RotoWireMBA. Use that at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step onto the court and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. All right, let's get into Bucks Heat. Um, you know, anybody who listens yeah. to this pod is, is well aware of where we stand uh, on this series and on one of the teams involved. Man, this was this this felt like kind of a, a pantheon Bucks loss. Um, I, I I stopped short of putting it on like the upper tier of Wisconsin sports losses, just because that's a very crowded discussion, and this did not end the series. Um, and, and we'll get into that. I mean, there's still, to me, a pretty decent chance that Milwaukee can rally back and, uh, you know, at least make this very interesting over the next few games here. But man, uh, I, I think the lesson for me is that even with Giannis playing well, Brooke Lopez playing, playing well, the Bucks really can't survive when both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have really, really bad games on both ends. No, the, the Giannis Lopez connection was amazing. In this game, I mean, there's only so much you can realistically go to it. Maybe there was opportunities go to go to it more, but you said it. I mean, Middleton goes four for twelve for fourteen points. Holiday goes six for nineteen for for fourteen points. Um, you know, and I mean, Giannis, as good as he played, I, I loved his thirteen assists. I always think Giannis is better when he's trying to pass more and and trying to barrel through people a little bit less. He had six turnovers and and had a bad turnover late, um, as did Holiday. Uh, it's tough, man. And playing Portis only 13 minutes. I feel like he, I, I think you just got to give more minutes to Portis. Um, it's, it's a tough loss. I mean, I, uh, Butler was amazing. I mean, I, I don't even, we, we have to give credit to Butler. I mean, he was destroying yeah. the Bucks defense. I, I don't, I don't even know if it was anything necessarily the Bucks did wrong. I mean, maybe you could have tried doubling, but, um, you know, Bugenholzer is extremely anti-double team. He's extremely anything risky and uh, anti anything risky on defense. And um, Butler was just, he was out of control. He was, this was absolutely like he was hitting threes, which, you know, that's kind of random for him. But um, it just in terms of mid range dominance, the pump fakes, the spin moves, mm-hmm. the, the, he was, he was uh, unbelievable. I thought Milwaukee. Once again, and this has been something that's kind of dogged them throughout their losses in the series, is they missed a ton of open threes, a ton of open threes, and they ended up finishing 13 of 40 
from beyond the arc. They were actually, they were making some contested threes early on. Uh, you couldn't really complain too much about the shooting, but they went cold in the second half. Uh, I, I thought Joe Ingles gave them like 18 of the worst minutes I've seen from anybody this season, just killing them on the defensive yeah. end. He was a big reason that Miami was able to keep this within reason at the end of the first half. Uh, you know, had, had a couple really just boneheaded fouls uh, late in this game, not really even attempting uh, to, to play traditional defense. Uh, you know, Pat Connaughton, one of six from three. Bobby Portis, one of four from three. Drew Holiday, two for 11 from three. I, I would say, I, I think there's a case to be made, Alex, that this was the single worst two-way game of Drew Holiday's entire career. And I, I know that sounds like really hyperbolic, but I, I, I truly think, I mean, it's at the very least in that discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's partially on him that, that Butler went off like this. I yeah. mean, I still I mean, think, again. He followed Butler on, what, two or at least two, if not three, jump shots. Yeah. And I still, I still think some of this is on Bugenholzer where it's just like a double butler. What are they going to do? Like, how much is Gabe Vincent going to kill you? How much yeah. is Bio even going to kill you? Um, you know, Lowry didn't have much of a game. Um, no. I it saw was entirely stat. butler. Yeah, like on, on, on the radio yes. show this morning, James Anderson, you know, he's like, look, if they just hold butler to 50 points, they win this game. And they couldn't even do that. No. And I, I have a stat. Miami is 43 of 82 on contested threes in this series. That's wow. 52%. The league average of the season was 33%. So they're basically up 20% on contested threes compared to the average team in the regular season. Um, that's a ridiculous stat, but I, I also said on the XM show last night, the Heat and Bucks were number one and number two in wide open threes as well. So the Bucks are giving them giving the Heat a bunch of wide open threes, and even the ones they contest, the Heat are making – so I think there's some regression to the mean coming. I mean, I I think the Bucs are going to win the next game. I I would be shocked we'll if see. they didn't. But I think, again, if you're Milwaukee, if you're Bud, you got to do something drastic. You have to, like, you cannot let Butler do this to you again. You have to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, the lack of in-game adjustments and even in-series adjustments, I think, is something that, uh, that, that was really the primary complaint with Bud before the Bucs won the title and you know, winning that, that championship two years ago, it felt like kind of absolved Budenholzer of, of his sins. But uh, th- this felt like a reminder. You know, I saw a lot of, all right, if they lose this series, I think you really need to reevaluate Mike Budenholzer because uh, you know, in a lot of ways, he, he, he pushed the right buttons during that run in 2021. But, you know, Giannis also put up 50 in game seven or game six, excuse me, to, to clinch that title. Like it, it wasn't a, a tactician series necessarily. And I think you could argue that he's hurt them uh, with his lack of adjustments in this one. And, you know, I mean, the other problem with Milwaukee is, you know, they, they have they have all this depth, but, you know, you have Drew Holiday basically guarding Jimmy Butler for most of this game. He's giving up three or four inches defensively, and, and you know, nobody's more qualified than Drew Holiday, but size-wise, it's not an ideal matchup. It, Jay Crowder did not even come off the bench. He played zero minutes last night. Is, right. it, is this not why you got Jay Crowder? Uh, no, this is why you got Jay Crowder was a guy with the with the size to deal with guys like Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's those are exactly the the guys the Bucks have had trouble with on the wing. You know, Middleton can't Middleton's slow. He's he's not a good defender anymore. Um, you know, Holiday and Grayson Allen, those guys are too small. And yeah, this is why you have Jay Crowder. I know he's not the quickest guy ever, but um, you know, Giannis, Giannis just isn't great for Butler either, because Giannis no. His his lateral quickness is too slow. You know, you want him as a help side guy, but um, yeah, yeah. I, it's again, it's shocking that this would happen to you. Like, if you're a coach on the sideline, you see Butler doing this to you, and that you would not just like look out, look down to your bench, CJ Crowder, and be like, get four minutes, like give me, get, yeah. like just play your ass off for four minutes and see what you can give me. Yeah, really weird game rotationally. Um, we didn't really see any of, of Javon Carter. Not that he's going to guard Jimmy Butler, but that just gives you you know another defensive-minded presence. Um, you know, that was the issue. Yeah, Milwaukee was generating good looks. Uh, you know, I thought Giannis, for the most part, like given the circumstances, Giannis played about as well as he possibly could have. You know, I, mean, I, I think you know you and I were talking on the XM show about well, you know, do, do you do you lean under on all of his props just in case he goes out there and and you know doesn't come back in the second half because he's he's dogged by that tailbone. That wasn't the case at all, man. I mean, Giannis gave you a 26, 13, and 10. And, you know, it, it really felt like Middleton and Holiday kind of lost this game for Milwaukee. I mean, the, the Holiday shot selection, the turnovers at the end of this game were criminal. Um, and it, to me, it was an alarming, alarming performance by Chris Middleton. And one that I think it kind of calls into question, like, all right, what are we doing going forward? Because he has a $40 million player option for next season. And if I'm the Bucks, I mean, I maybe things – come around and, and, you know, they, they win the series and we feel differently in a month, but 
I don't know how you go to the negotiating table right now and, and start talking max extension with, with this version of Chris Middleton. No, I mean, it's tough because I think generally speaking, if you are a title contending team, your third best player usually has leverage to get that max extension. And I don't always feel like it's a bad idea to give it to them because if you yeah. have three max guys and you're in title contention, isn't that kind of what we're doing here? But yeah, I mean, you know, Giannis has a bunch of kind of like most of the role guys in this team are aging a little bit. Holiday's getting up there. Milton's getting up there. Lopez is really old. Um, but Lopez, I mean, Lopez had an amazing game. I don't think he's like washed or anything, um, obviously. But yeah, I, it could just be as simple as Milton needs the offseason um, to, to get right again. And then he'll look like himself next year. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Lopez, unrestricted this summer as well. That's a decision that they'll have to make. Uh, he is 35 at this point. So you're looking at his age 36 season next year for a big man that's had some injuries, uh, you know, foot and back injuries throughout his career. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they're going to have to do a total reevaluation. I mean, unless unless they hit the gas and, and blow through the East in a way that it just seems really unlikely is going to happen right now, um, I, I think this team has to maybe – think about rebooting a little bit more quickly than they probably anticipated. Uh, yeah. On the other side of this, there's, I, I don't really have a lot to say about Miami. You know, it, I thought Bam Adebayo played better than the, the six of 16 box score line would apply. I mean, there were a couple shots down the stretch that were like 95% of the way down that, that rattled out. Um, I, I thought he was getting good looks. I mean, Milwaukee was really, really tempting him to, uh, you know, take mid-range jumpers, get a running start. There's a miscommunication late in the game where, you know, it looked like Lopez and Giannis didn't quite know he was who was supposed to be checking out of bio. He just gets a runway, uh, goes in. Uh, I believe he got fouled and made both free throws. So, um, you know, he hasn't had a fantastic series on paper, but I, I think he's very clearly been their second best player almost by default. The only other thing that really stands out, other than Butler, just with an all-time performance, is Duncan Robinson has reawoken. This is, I mean, this was the spot where Spolstra had to dust him off and see what, what he could give the team. Um, you know, with hero not there. Um, he's just like, well, you know, he threw him in there in the, in the, the game that hero got hurt and it was fine. Keep it rolling. It was fine. Keep it rolling again. Um, shocking. I mean, we, we know he can hit threes. I, I, I like we, it's surprising because he wasn't really in the rotation this season. He was barely in the rotation, but on the other hand, you can't be surprised when Duncan Robinson comes in and goes three for four from three. That's ultimately what they paid him to do. And then you have to make sure to attack him on defense because that's why he's not playing in the first place. He's 12 of 16 from three over the last three games. So you, know, you talk about that regression coming at some point. You'd like to think uh, maybe he's that guy, but you know they've been good looks. And you know, Milwaukee defensively has just not been the same team over the last month. We've talked about it on the pod. We've talked about it on the XM show. Uh, you know, the, the, some of the, it's, it's, you know, a very basic stat to look at, but some of the point totals that they were giving up to bad teams at the end of the year, I mean, that, that should have been more of a red flag. And once again, you know, Miami, they didn't get to that magic 120 number this time, but I mean, this is now four games in a row where they have scored like way above anything they were doing during the regular season. And again, I, I get that the three point shooting is part of that, but, uh, it's also not like they're taking that many, you know, they only hit 13 threes in this game. They shot it at 41%. Uh, but we're seeing other teams, you know, the Warriors are launching like 50, 55 threes in some of these contests. So, uh, you know, it, it's been efficient shooting for Miami. It's been very, very timely. And, you know, I, I remain pretty convinced that Milwaukee is, is the better team. But, man, if they're not hitting their open threes, man, this offense breaks down really quickly. It does. I mean, the Bucs have actually made more threes than the Heat in right. the series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the whole Bucs offense is driving kick. Um, Young is driving kick. Drew driving kick. Um, you know, occasionally they run the the Giannis pick and roll. I think that works too. But yeah, if the threes don't fall down, that's that's the that's the root of a lot of Bucks losses. Yeah, I mean, you live and die by the three uh, in the modern NBA, and I, I think that's more true for some teams than others. It's it's definitely true for the Bucks. I mean that that is that is the offense at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not not much else to say about that game specifically. You know, if you look at the the series prices uh, over at the DraftKings Sportsbook, Miami's minus 150 to win the series. The Bucks are plus 125. So, I mean, that's an applied probability of like 40% that Milwaukee is able to storm back. And look, it, it seems very uh, doom and gloom right now, but I'm with you. Like you said, I think Milwaukee probably wins game five at home. 
And then it kind of feels like the series will come down to that game six in Miami. It's going to be tough for the Bucs to win three games against this Heat team um, in a row, obviously. I, I, w- I would not bank on it. I would not bet that. I wouldn't bet it. It's not a good enough value, first of all. I mean, I would no, bet it at like I mean. if it was like three to one, I would I would happily bet it because I, I like I said, I I don't know. I, I Miami is, is obviously a, a more formidable eight seed opponent than than you typically get. And I, I think Milwaukee is certainly guilty of probably taking this team a little bit too lightly, but we also saw Miami, you know, what, like two weeks ago, uh, you know, struggle to get past the the Atlanta Hawks in a play-in game. Like I, I'm not convinced that this team is is like some different version of, of what we thought they were. I, I think Milwaukee is, is just playing way down to its competition right now. And, 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 you know, I also don't think you can discount Giannis basically missing the first three games of the series. Like that, that absolutely matters. Milwaukee's not in this hole if Giannis doesn't get hurt in game one. So I'm not trying to make excuses necessarily, but I, I don't know that this is quite the um, like historic collapse that, that some people in Milwaukee are, are making it out to be. And again, if they, if they win game six of Miami, they're not losing game seven at home. So I, I, I don't think Milwaukee is, is out of this by any means. No, no, they're not out of it. Um, and you're right. Like losing, you know, not having Giannis available for two games is a, is a huge portion of it. And if they lose the series, you're ultimately going to point to that. Um, but again, uh, even even with this Heat team di- uh, down Tyler Hero, I would not bank on them. Um, uh, you know, I would not bet my money on the Bucks winning three games in a row against them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So comparing and contrasting with the other game that we had last night, the LA Lakers, they're up 3-1 in their series. They, too, are the lower-seeded team. They were also in the play-in. They're minus 1,000 to win this series. Oh. Memphis plus 650 uh, to come back from a 3-1 deficit. Well, well, I mean, if you're asking me between those four teams, what's the best value? I would honestly say it's the Grizzlies. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this... Which is crazy. I mean, because this game, this game went into overtime because LeBron, LeBron hit a pretty crazy uh, layup off the top of the glass to to keep this game going. Yeah. Um, this series could have, you know, the Grizzlies could have easily won this game. I expect the Lakers to come out flat and <laughs> yeah, lose tomorrow night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. There, I would, I would bet significant money, and maybe I will, uh, on the Lakers losing that game. They're four point underdogs for Game Five in Memphis. Uh, I mean, that's just. For one, it would no matter what, it would be an obvious letdown spot for the Lakers. Um, but on top of that, I mean the the workload concerns. I think with only one day of rest between games is the bigger thing. I mean Anthony Davis had two uh, season-ending injury scares last night, and one and a half. Uh, so we banked that one. Um, he looked terrible. Played 42 minutes. LeBron played 45 minutes. Austin Reeves played 42 minutes. Um, you know, even guys like you know Schroeder, Troy Brown, Hachimura, they all played uh, above what they normally do. Lakers didn't really extend their bench despite this game going into overtime uh, more than anything though. I, I thought this was an, an extremely concerning game for LeBron, extremely concerning for how he looked physically. Um, I, I, th- I think it's the foot. I, I don't, I don't think he's just, you know, magically become old all of a sudden over the, the course of the last week, but I, I cannot remember a game with, with, with the stakes being what they were, you know, this was within what five to seven points at most for basically the entire fourth quarter and overtime and seeing LeBron James get over half court and just hand the ball off to Dennis Schroeder and go sit in the corner. I mean, it was it was jarring. Yeah, I um, I agree, man. It's 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 tough because there again, there are always those moments. We just talked about he had that crazy reverse alley oop dunk the last game, and there are moments where you see him sprint all out, and he looks completely fine. 
but you know, a regular sprint is not the same as kind of slamming your feet on the ground and jumping and, and doing all these cuts and stuff like this. And I also think he's tired. I, I also think I, you know, yeah, he's 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 38 and he's he was out a long time, uh, relatively speaking, with that foot, and it's keeping up with the cardio is tough, and you're asking him to play 45 minutes. That's pretty crazy. Well, he's a father of three as well. I think a lot of yes. people forget that. So, you know, he's a father. Uh, I mean, it it was interesting because he he kind of salvaged the entire game with that layup and you know, with the end one in overtime. Um, he had a couple of huge rebounds in traffic. But like it, it just it felt weird that we were celebrating like a LeBron 22 and 20 game. It's like the rebounding yes. was the highlight for LeBron James. Um, you know, I mean, the three point shooting has been really disastrous for him of late as well. Uh, really, since coming back, he, he struggled mightily from beyond the arc. I mean, uh, he had three three pointers in game one. Since then, he is two for 19 from beyond the arc. Like that is a, a major problem. Um, it, it was just it was just really, really shocking to see him, you know, have Xavier Tillman switch out. And there's really not to get by him. Uh, you know, David Roddy, like the, David Roddy is exactly the type of guy that a few years ago, LeBron would have just abused in a playoff series. And, you know, Roddy blocked him at the rim a couple of times, knocked the ball away. Like it was just, it was really weird. But then, like you said, you know, he'll, ha- he'll throw down a, a, a reverse uh, dunk in, in traffic or, you know, he'll sky for a rebound and you know, put it, put it back for an and one. So like he's never limping, he's not grabbing at the foot, he's not wincing, but it something is, is definitely off with him. Yeah, I think it's those sort of um, he's always been like his be- his best athleticism has always been like his downhill sort of speed. And so I think that's where we see where we see at the least the kind of decline. But where I think it really ends up showing is um, when he's close to the rim, you know, he can't rise up like he used to just kind of like uh, yeah. um, spur the moment. Just like I'm going to try to rise up and dunk on somebody. It's He doesn't he doesn't uh, just get up as quickly as he used to. And trying to turn the corner on guys or cross over and, and change direction. I think that's a lot of where we see it. Um, I think that's kind of what goes first, but um, at the, at the same time, Anthony Davis cannot be giving you 12 points oh my goodness. on 13 shots against again, like Xavier Tillman. And I know triple J's out him a lot and triple J is the defensive player of the year, but it, AD's just got to be better. <laughs> it was such a weird game for AD. Uh, I mean, typically the Lakers lose these games where AD just can't do anything. Um, you know, he hit, he did hit like a, a really tough long two that was big late in the fourth quarter and a putback uh, in overtime that 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 you know kind of saved the Lakers. But yeah, just a bizarre game overall. Uh, you know, one of those games where it just felt like he never had his balance on either end. You know, he's he's catching the ball inside with seemingly great position, and then somehow the the possession ends with him like fading away out of bounds and falling into the cameras. You're like, how, how did this even physically turn out like this? Uh, I mean, Xavier Tillman's outplayed him, I think offensively the last two games. And I mean, defensively LeBron has struggled with Tillman as well. And he struggled with Jaron Jackson. Um, you know, I, I think those were the type of matchups that, you know, kind of in the prime of his career, it didn't really matter if it was a, a size disadvantage or a height disadvantage for LeBron. Um, it was kind of that, that the strength and the veteran craftiness would allow him to survive. But I thought he gave up a, a lot of easy baskets around the rim to Jackson Tillman and Roddy, uh, who I, I thought gave the Grizzlies some really good minutes. Yeah, it's just it's kind of unbelievable that the only guy on the Grizzlies that scored more than twenty points was Desmond Bain, and they kept this game really close. Like again, the takeaway is you know LeBron's LeBron's layup. They're up three one, but I'm <laughs> I'm more concerned that the game was this close in the first place. Yeah. Like it had to go to overtime. Well, like to me, they were up fifteen. They were up 15 right. early, and it looked like, okay, this is going to be a Lakers avalanche. Like, they, I swear, I, I was you know, talking to a friend last night about this who he, he had some like Lakers first quarter props going. And I'm like, the Lakers start like four out of five games 0 for 7 from the field. Like, no other team starts off as cold as the Lakers. And of course, they did that again, but then they stormed back. They're up 15, and it felt like they were, there were like a couple three pointers that rimmed out. And it's like, man, if they hit one of those, that, that might have been the, the early death blow. And then, of course, you know, Memphis went on a 14 to 1 run to close the second quarter. And, and basically tie it. I think they were down one or two at the half. Um, and, and the Lakers trailed for most of the second half and, until D'Angelo Russell you know, came through with an all-tie bailout. I mean, he was playing horribly and um, then hit three big shots in a row uh, to get the Lakers back into it. LeBron closed it out. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, though. I, I, I didn't come away from this feeling like, all right, Lakers, 3-1, baby. Um, I, if anything, I, I think Golden State has to feel amazing about their chances to get to the West Finals. Oh, yeah. Like I, I looked at the odds today. They're, they're not nearly as good as you'd think, but... 
I, I right now I, I think the Warriors are going back to the final. I really do. I think you you let Phoenix and Denver duke it out in the next round, and I, I think Golden State, as long as they stay healthy, I think they're going to rip through the Lakers. I think so. Well, honestly, I mean, it's interesting because either team that comes out of that series, whether it be the Kings or the Warriors, play this extremely up-tempo style with a lot of dribble handoffs and you have to chase a lot of guys around and the Lakers are just not good at that. The Lakers are good at defending teams and playing against teams that are very traditional and don't run these hyper-athletes off of screens and are jacking threes and all this stuff. And so I think either either team that came out would have a, a really... Uh, could make the Lakers look pretty bad, but I agree with you on the Warriors. I mean, I think, um, I think that I think they would beat the Lakers in a in a playoff series if it comes to that. Yeah, I think they're getting a free pass uh, in Sacramento with the Fox injury. You know, we'll see what he looks like tomorrow night. But uh, you know, you got to feel pretty good if you're Golden State. Um, Jared Fox is really the only constant that they've had in that series. And yeah, if you, if it's this version of LeBron in round two, the Lakers aren't beating the Warriors. It's, it's just not happening. I mean, if he if he finds a way to get that foot to where it needs to be. In you know a week and a half from now, then 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 we'll have ourselves a series. But I mean, LeBron just being clearly being you know out of it, not that you know, not wanting the ball in these final possessions to me that that says just about everything. So yes, in summary, Lakers somewhat lucky to be up three one. They will lose in Game Five, uh, and then <laughs> you know maybe maybe close it out at home in Game Six and, and get a couple of days of rest before that that likely showdown with the Warriors. Uh, let's get to the three games tonight and we'll just do quick previews here. Um, given that we'll only have a few hours before these games tip off, you can hear full live previews on NBA radio from six to six 30 PM central tonight. We'll be previewing all three of these games from a betting perspective on the Rotowire NBA show, uh, Hawks Celtics. Uh, this, this is in like my top three first round series that I've cared the least about in my entire life. Uh, Boston should be fine tonight. They're 13 point favorites. No DeJounte Murray. Uh, suspended for the bump referee the, the bump yeah it was crazy i i saw the video it was the, the way the ref looked at dejounte murray after it happened i was like what did he say to that guy uh but yeah i agree with you i mean this has kind of been a nothing series i'm not surprised that um atlanta won game three <clears throat> They were shooting so badly from three, and it's like, well, if it's going to get better, it's going to get better in game three, and and that's what happened. Um, and yeah, without DeJounte, without Dejounte Murray, it's um, I think having I think having the Celtics as thirteen point favorites, maybe that's a little heavy, uh, but I I would expect them to win this game. I think they'll be fine. And I, I just realized that I misspoke at the start of the pod. I was looking at the the Thursday schedule. All these games are at home. All the favorites are playing at home tonight. So Boston's a 13-point favorite at home. Denver's a 10-point favorite at home. Phoenix, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home over the Kawhi and Paul George's Clippers. Uh, I, I've had a little more interest in Nuggets Timberwolves, uh, but it yeah. hasn't felt quite as one-sided. I mean, you know, Denver's certainly controlled the series. I thought actually had a pretty good chance to win game four uh, thanks to some late game execution by the Timberwolves. But... Uh, feels like Denver should be in a great spot here, uh, but it, it, it's been nice to at least see the the real version of Anthony Edwards, who you know, really struggled in the play-in games, was bad in game one, uh, but it has started to look a little bit more like his old self over these last three. Yeah, I think he's he's figured out the the Nuggets defense a little bit, which has its holes, it has this tendency to be lazy. I think he, he's you know found where to pick his spots when guys get switched onto him. He realizes that. If he can get near the rim against Nikola Jokic, Jokic has absolutely zero chance to block his shot. Uh, I think that helps a lot. But they'll the the Wolves are going to be down Kyle Anderson, and that's tough because he he is like legitimately their fifth best player right now. Yeah, yeah, he, he really is. Denver has been impressive. You know, I, I still I have some major concerns about that bench, but. I also have maybe even more concerns about the Phoenix bench. So I, I feel like that's not necessarily <laughs> going to harm them in the next round. And, you know, even if it's say golden state, you know, let, let, let's say Denver beats Phoenix and then they play the Warriors. It, it, like none of these teams in the West really have uh, a, a ton of depth that, that really concerns you. I mean, the, the nuggets are plenty comfortable playing, you know, their top six or seven guys, 35 to 40 minutes in those spots if they need to. Ironically, the Clippers are the team with depth. Yeah. Right. But they and, uh, have no stars now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's a problem. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk Clipper Suns. Really fun series. It, it does feel like we're being robbed here. Um, I, I think yeah. you got to tip your cap uh, to Russ. One, uh, I, I need to eat crow on that, man. I mean, Russ has looked, he's looked like 2016 Westbrook. I mean, the efficiency has been there. I, I, I'm not shocked that he, you know, could put up 40 
if he's taking 30 shots. Like, I don't think anybody thought that Westbrook was like, you know, cooked athletically, but uh, to do it as efficiently as he has, the three point shooting is back. The confidence is back. It's been really fun to watch. Uh, and it really feels like if Kawhi or even Paul George is available for one of these last couple of games, we probably have a 2-2 series. I mean, I, I, I'm a little concerned that, that Phoenix has not looked more dominant given what's going on with the Clippers. I think so. Um, I think your point, I think you're right to point that out. This could have easily went seven if, if Kawhi was available. Um, yeah, Russ looks like a man possessed. And even more so on defense. Like yeah. in this series, he's got seven blocks and six steals. Um, you know, his steals and blocks prop is two and a half tonight. Like he's just, he's, he's been crazy, man. And Powell's look good too. Like Powell's stepped up at least in game, uh, game three, he stepped up, played extremely well. I forget, we have like 35, 40 in that game. Yeah, more than that. I don't um, know what the final total was. It was, did he get to 40? 42. Two, yeah, 42. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's tough to know how to evaluate this because it's just this team that they're throwing out there. It's a, it, like, what are we even looking at? It's, it's a Russ led team with Powell as the number two option. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I know there's been a lot of talk this week about you know Clippers post mortem. Like they're they're not going to win this series, but I, I think what Russell Westbrook just in the last three games has completely changed. I think the trajectory of his off season and. Look, I mean, he's unrestricted. There's, it's not like a team is going to be signing him to a max or anything like that. But, I mean, it, it went from a couple months ago. I mean, I, I said it on the spot. I'm like, I don't know if he's in the league next year. Like, what team is signing up for this to now there's definitely going to be teams interested. Now, what role are they going to be willing to hand over? I don't know. I, I think there are – the league has gotten too smart where I, I don't think there's going to be a bunch of teams in the middle lining up to hand the keys to Russell Westbrook. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there there will be teams that saw what he's, he's done in this series – and even how he handled himself in LA, like it was a disaster with the Lakers, but um, you know, chemistry wise, I, I think it could have been worse. And I, I think he, he said all the right things. Like there will be teams out there that are very interested in bringing him on maybe as a six man or, you know, even in, in kind of the role that we're seeing in LA. Can I give you three teams and you tell me if I'm on the right track that okay. may be interested in Russell Westbrook, Minnesota, Washington, Chicago. Oh, Man, um, well, Washington and Chicago, for sure. I mean, those were obviously we've, we've seen it already in Washington. And I, I think Chicago was one of those landing spots, uh, you know, after after the buyout from Utah. People forget Russell Westbrook, ex-Utah Jazz. Uh, I don't know. Those, see, those are kind of the situations where I wouldn't want him to go because I don't feel like he moves the needle. Minnesota is a little more interesting. You know, if you could play him 25 to 30 minutes off the bench and he plays like he has for the Clippers, then I, I like that quite a bit. Uh, man, I mean, like, I want to say like, like could Phoenix sign him to like the mid-level? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's happening. Um, you know, Sacramento, like I'd, I'd rather see him on one of these, uh, like a better team. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it makes sense for, for Washington or Chicago at this point. You know I mean? You could say any, any like rebuilding team, um, that doesn't have a, a key guy who you want, you know, being challenged for usage. Like I wouldn't want to see him. I wouldn't want to see him in Orlando or I wouldn't want to see him in Detroit, uh, you know, like from from Kate Cunningham and, and, and Jaden Ivey. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it, it has to be a team that just feels like it needs that bench spark. I don't know. Like, what about the Cavs? Man, I can't I can't be tight. I, I cannot take touches away from Garland and Mitchell like that. I mean, maybe that maybe the Clippers just keep him. Maybe that I, I think that's the most, most, most realistic by far. Yeah. 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 I mean, the question is, what is the price? Like, if you're the Clippers, you know, I mean, it's easy for us to say. It's like, well, you know, Russ has enough money. He's, he's signed multiple max deals. Yeah, that's true. But players typically aren't looking to take a discount. Um, I, I have no idea what the cost will be. I, I really don't. And I also, I'd have to dig in on, on what the Clippers can even afford at this point. Uh, I mean, I t- I'm taking a quick look, and it mostly looks like, I think Eric Gordon is partially guaranteed for next year, if I'm reading this right. Plumlee's off the books. They might be able to make it happen. Eric Gordon perpetually partially guaranteed he's been i think he's been on the same contract for like seven years uh 23 24 is not guaranteed so they could maybe drop eric gordon although i'm not sure you'd want to he's you might be able to sign him to a deal as well um (laughs) and then mason plumley i mean what are we doing with the clippers here i i i don't think it's realistic to expect it to play out any differently than it has this year right i mean you load manage Kawhi as well as you possibly could he looked amazing and still couldn't even make it past the second game of the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. Like how, what can you do to change that? I don't think there's anything. I, I mean, are you, are you just, no. you're just hoping and praying every year. And you know, even when he's in there, 
I think you and I talked about this a while ago. Like things have changed since Kawhi and Paul George signed with the Clippers. Like it's not like when they're when they're healthy, they're automatically the team to beat. It's like when when Paul George and Kawhi are healthy, they're one of the four or five best teams in the conference. So like I I don't think that risk reward is even worth it anymore. Well, no, I mean, if PG turns thirty three next year, how is Paul George oh older than Kawhi? Paul George is thirty three next year. Kawhi Leonard's thirty two. I mean, I think this is ironically more more so reason to sign Russell Westbrook. It's like, well, at least when these guys are out, we have Westbrook who's going to keep the energy of the team up. But it's 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 one of those situations where we we heard quotes from Ty Lue where he's like, I, I don't even know what to do anymore, man. I'm coaching a different team every single night. Um, Seriously. Everybody's in a tough spot. Ballmer's in a tough spot. Lue's in a tough spot. Uh, the, with the injuries that that PG and Kawhi have had, I don't blame them for wanting to take off back-to-backs and three games yeah. and five nights rest situations. But it's one of those things where we can all say it's nobody's fault or we can play the blame game, but it's just they, as a franchise, they have to sort of make a decision on whether they want to keep doing this or not. Um, but they probably think if we keep doing this for the next three or four years, there's going to be a time where we make the NBA Finals or we make the Conference Finals, and that's good enough for us. Yeah, very true. It just, it just feels like those those opportunities are dwindling, right? I mean, the the West is down this year, relatively speaking. I think this this could have been their chance to to make a run and, and take advantage of a Phoenix team that uh, is, is obviously very good and and is, is still the the heavy favorite to emerge from the West. But I, I don't think they've looked quite as bulletproof as we thought they would. So I mean, this is now what three or four years in a row of well, you know, if everybody had stayed healthy, maybe we would have had a chance. But uh, that shocking, by the way, that Paul George is almost thirty three. That's like two years older than I would have guessed. Yeah, same here. I um, I pretty did he, he must have played more than did he play more than one year at college? Yeah, he did two years yeah, at Fresno State. Okay, still, I mean, this is this is like a look yourself in the mirror moment. Like, wow, all right. Um, he's just one of those guys that always felt like he's just going to be twenty five forever. Uh, all right, let's hit these other two series quickly. Uh, Knicks Cavs, fun series so far. Uh, <laughs> interesting series because like the Knicks have just not even played well, and it hasn't mattered right. because the Cavs can't do anything. Uh, defensively, the Knicks have been fantastic. Uh, the Cavs scored literally the fewest points any team has scored all season uh, in this series. They put up 79 in game three. They are now down three to one. Uh, you know, I, Cleveland's five and a half point favorites at home tomorrow. I think pretty good chance to keep this thing alive and, and force a game six. But the, the Cavs just seemed overwhelmed in those two games at MSG. It was a rock fight. That's what the Knicks wants, what Tibbs wants, it's what New York wants. Um they seemed overwhelmed, yeah. I actually thought game four I thought game four was relatively close to me. I I I didn't feel like they, you know, they lost the Cavs lost by nine. I didn't feel as bad about that. I kind of left game four thinking the Cavs should win game five. Um but yeah, it was weird because you know, Mitchell in game one was uh, he was he was shooting, he was taking too many shots, and then in game you know, in game two, they let Garland go off. But I thought they needed Mitchell to go crazy in game four, and he, he wasn't able to do so. Um, it's just bizarre. I mean, they're, Leland's getting crushed on the offensive glass despite having Mobley and, and Allen there. Um, and, you know, they're they're turning the ball over too much. It's like they're losing everything that isn't just pure shot making, essentially. Yeah, it feels like they've been outcoached, too, in this series. And I, I think they've been exposed for a lack of depth that I think we knew was there. Yes. You know, it's not like it, it's not news that Karis LeVert has not been good in this series or you know, it's kind of been a rotation at, at small forward. That's a spot that they've been struggling to fill for years now. Uh, but, you know, if Donovan Mitchell is not like the guy that we've seen him to be in, in the playoffs over the years and he's shooting 30 percent from three, 43 percent from the field in this series, uh, like they need him to be 30 to 35 points every single night because you, you just can't count on Mobley and Allen offensively. You can't count on Karis Levert game to game. Uh, like the only, the only game that Cleveland's won in this series is the one where Levert showed up because beyond yeah. that, you know, it's very quickly. You start getting into Jetty Osman, Okoro, Danny Green, who we've seen in this series, you know, Lamar Stevens, there, there was some start Dean Wade chatter. Uh, that That's what it's come to for Cleveland. Mobley's having a bad series. I, it's been bad. He's been bad. He's he's 48% for the field, 10 points a game. He's got three more turnovers than assists. His defense hasn't been spectacular. I mean, they're doing a good job of holding Julius Randle, but the fact that Julius Randle's having a, a crap series and you're down 3-1, like Randle's averaging 15 points a game, 
but it's 32% from the field Randall is down to, and you're you're now down 3-1. Like, how is that possible? I mean, he's got 14 turnovers and nine assists. I mean, some of that is Mobley, obviously, but it's like, you know, he's not – he's they're, they're, they're sort of neutralizing each other, but then at that point, you feel like you had the talent advantage. I Again, I think Cleveland's going to win game five, but I am it, – it really feels like – the Knicks are going to pull away with the series, which is, you know, I, I'm not saying anything bold. They're up three, one. I would say the only two players who've been like consistently good in every game for the Knicks are Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson. Uh, you know, Randall's been bad. Like he's been straight up bad for the entire series. Um, you know, RJ Barrett was kind of the savior in game four. He played really well, but he's still shooting 41% from the series for the series, 20% from three. Uh, obviously Jalen Brunson's fantastic, but he's shooting 28% from three in the series. It's not like he's been on fire. Uh, the rest of the numbers look really good. I mean, he's he's been their best player. I'm not saying he has it, but it, it has not been like an all-time Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, that that certainly worries you if you're Cleveland. I, I think you you look around and say, okay, we can definitely play better, but our opponent can play almost equally better. Like we we've both been bad, and they've somehow come ahead three times. Yeah, that's that's a problem. I mean, Brunson Brunson I think has been the best player in the series, and you yes. just if you're Donovan Mitchell, you can't let that happen. And I. Darius Garland, I think most people would say, is just as good as Jalen Brunson. I mean, maybe there's some New York bias where people would think Brunson's better, but they the Cavs have two guys in the series that should that should be playing better than than Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I, I would say Garland and Brunson are, are probably on the same level to me after this season. Going into the year, I, I think I would have taken Garland, um, but obviously Brunson's been been fantastic. Uh, and yeah, Donovan Mitchell should be the best player in the series, and, and he has not been. Uh, that's just not been the case. Uh, Warriors Kings. We get a little bit of a longer break here. So we'll get game five of that series tomorrow night. That's in the late window, 10 p.m. Eastern start. Golden State, four-point favorites on the road. A lot of uncertainty as far as what's going on with De'Aaron Fox. Like at first it was, he has a fractured finger. He's doubtful. Sounds like he's not playing. And then there was a follow-up that like he's going to do everything he can to try to play. But I believe he's officially listed as doubtful, right? Yeah, but we'll get, we're going to shock you if he didn't play. I feel the same way, right? I mean, it's you know, it's it's a fracture at the tip of a finger, which feels like a minor injury, but obviously, when it's your, I believe it's his left hand, right? So Good it's his hand, dominant yeah. hand, and you know, that's contacting the ball basically anytime you have it. I, I think like catching the ball is probably uh, the main concern. Uh, but yeah, I, I I would imagine that given wh- where the Kings are in this series, given who they have behind him, which is like nobody. Uh, you're you're probably better off with De'Aaron Fox just like playing with a big wrap on that. Even even if you can't do anything but lay the ball up, I, I still think you want him out there. You at least want him to try. Yeah, I mean, I again, I know he's listed as doubtful. If he does not play, I I will be legitimately shocked. Um, so I yeah. again, this is contrary to the injury report. I think De'Aaron Fox is playing uh, in Game Five. It's just they. I mean, this is first of all, this is a, this is an amazing series. This is such a fun series. The pace is super high. I love the sort of like old guard, nobody believes in us warriors kind of a, not nobody believes in us, but you know, they had like such an up and down season coming up against this, this new Kings team. Like there's so many fun dynamics in this series, which is why it it will suck if Fox doesn't play. And um, the warriors, I mean, the warriors, (laughs) this series could basically be over. I mean, that's the thing too. Like this series could be over for the kid, for the warriors, because I think, I think a more experienced team is maybe able to pull out that game three where the Warriors don't have Draymond. I know it's a back against the wall. Everybody rallies in game three, but game four was super close and Steph almost, you know, kind of choked it away with the fake, with yeah. the not fake timeout, the no timeout thing. So, you know, the series is, is tied up. I think uh, like the scoring is basically even more or less in the series, but the Kings, it feels like the Warriors have the momentum, but I weirdly enough, the Kings, it feels like they could have ended the series already. Yeah, I think Sacramento, despite losing both games in Gold State, has to feel pretty good about how they come out of that. But obviously, the Fox injury changes everything. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Again, I, I think he plays as well. Um, you know, we, we talked about something similar with John Moran you know, when, when he had that injury. And we essentially agreed that given who's behind John Moran, which is Tyus Jones, and the fact that the Grizzlies have a proven track record of still being really competitive without Ja, that it was worth it for them to sit him, get that wrist right, and then bring it back. And that's exactly what they did. And they won game two, and then Ja put up 45 in game three, and it, it kind of worked perfectly. But the Kings just don't have that luxury. It's like, yeah, Davion Mitchell, 
in theory should be that guy, but he's, he's, he's a defender. You know, he's not a shooter. He doesn't give you anything close to what Fox has provided on offense, especially in a series where Sabonis has just been completely dormant. Can't hang on to the ball. He's got 15 turnovers through four games. Uh, like who are your other options? Like if Fox doesn't play is, is Terrence Davis playing 30 minutes? Is PJ Dozier playing 25 minutes? It's, I think it's like 46 minutes of Malik Monk. And then you backfill with Davion Mitchell. And I think you said it. I mean, maybe, maybe you can, Keegan Murray had a nice game four, keep him out there a little bit longer. And Terrence Davis has some nice spot minutes throughout the season. I think that's what they would do. Um, But you don't feel great about that, obviously. Uh, No, no, you do not. Um, Did you see the tweet going around last night of like, you know, the, the implication was that the Warriors have caught like a major injury break in every year that they've, they've made a run like 2015 Kyrie, Kevin Love get hurt in the finals. 2017 Kawhi Leonard, gets hurt uh, in the Western Conference Finals. 2018, Chris Paul gets hurt. Last year, Jabba Rant got injured. And now this year, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I think you can say that that's true, but that they also deserve to win all of those. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like this was the most dominant uh, team for a half decade, essentially, right. like almost in NBA history. So uh, again, maybe, yeah, maybe they have one more title than they should based on some injuries, but no, I'm not. I don't I People just want to point that out to point it out. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you could do that for just about any team. Um, you know, I mean the Kyrie and love one, I think that one was big. That, that truly swung yes. the series. I, I think the Cavs win that series. If those guys or even one of those guys, especially Kyrie is available, but that was also eight years ago. Uh, and you know, the Warriors lost to Toronto in a finals where <laughs> Kevin Durant stabbed his Achilles and Clay right. Thompson tore his ACL. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. Yeah, I think I think most of the time, I mean, maybe this is just what we tell ourselves, but I think most of the time guys end up with as many teams end up with as many titles as they should have and players end up with as yeah. many MVPs as they should. It all kind of comes out in the wash. And again, this team was absolutely absurd um, for a half decade. All right, we'll end on this. We'll, we'll try to do this at least once a week as we go forward. Uh, updated NBA Finals predictions. Who's there? Who wins? How many games? Man, this is tough with the Bucs now. Yeah. Um, makes me want to lean towards the Celtics. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do Celtics. I mean, I'm a little concerned about what I've seen from the Suns, but I think they have the potential to kind of snowball as as the playoffs go along and, and get used to each other. Um, yeah. I'm going to go Celtics-Suns now with this, with this Bucs okay. situation. All right, I'm diving fully in. I'm going Celtics Warriors. I, I, I think the Celtics okay. are going to have a, a just a really nice path here through the East, especially if Embiid's not ready. Um, you know that that series, if if Embiid's hampered at all, if he misses one or two games, that the Sixers aren't competing. If he's if he's healthy, uh, you know that one maybe becomes a little dicier. But um, either way, I think if you if you're not a believer in Milwaukee getting past Miami, then Boston should have a really nice path back to the finals. And I, I, I think Gold State is in great shape too. I think they'll take care of the Kings. I think they will beat the Lakers in five. And, you know, then it comes down to what to me would be a, at that point, you know, you have to assume Golden State has, has kind of proven that they, they, they've gotten past whatever made them basically a 500 team in the regular season. And I would view that as close to a 50-50 series, given all the experience that the Warriors have against either the one seed Nuggets or the team that I still think is the best team in the West, the Phoenix Suns, uh, but, but hasn't quite proven it. Well, this Warriors still haven't proven that they can win a road game in the playoffs. That is true. That is true. <laughs> they have not done that. So, yeah, I mean, that worries me. But I, I think, you know, if they had to get through, like, let's say they were playing Phoenix in the next round and then Denver in the West Finals or, or vice versa, I don't think I would take them. But I I really think right. they're going to be in a great spot to exploit this Lakers team. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't think the Lakers have anybody to guard Steph. I, I don't know that the Lakers can shoot the ball well enough consistently. I think Anthony Davis is going to get beat up by Kevon Looney. Like, it, the Lakers actually played the Warriors well during the regular season, for what it's worth. But... Uh, I, I think that's a matchup that Golden State would be would be licking its chops for. I think so too. All right, man. Uh, once again, this is like the fourth reminder of the show, but make sure you listen to us on the Rotowire NBA show Monday through Friday, seven to seven thirty p.m. Eastern, over on Sirius XM NBA Radio Channel eighty six. We will be there uh, later tonight. We'll be there tomorrow. We'll see if we have games on Thursday. If all three favorites win tonight, uh, that will be a day off collectively for the NBA. Uh, but we we will have games Friday and, of course, going into the weekend as well. So uh, looking forward to breaking those down, and we'll talk soon, Alex.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.